All right. How many are happy to be in the house of God? Make some noise. Woo! Come on, slap your neighbor high five and say, it's good to see you here. Come on, it's good to see you here. What's up? What's up? Open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. How many of you all had a good Memorial Day? Man, I've got myself some sun. You know how it is. Those who are Latino, African-American, you guys don't want to get darker. But the gringos, we want to be like you. We want to be dark, man. So I was just laying out, no, no sunscreen, just getting as much as I can. And I have loved every minute of it. And uh, let's remember to keep coming to church during the summer. How many believe God comes first in the summer? Amen. So there are some churches, not this church, but there are some churches that forget about church in the summer, go to the lake, do all that stuff, but do that after church. It will be better for you. Can I get another amen? All right, because the lake ain't worth going to hell over. Amen? God made the lake and put God first, and you'll have the best experience there, and then lakes forevermore in the kingdom of God. Well, we are in the middle of a sermon series, Ephesians, and it's called In Him, and I want to talk to you about that in just a second, but I want to give you just a few more goodies on what we talked about in that building fund. You have probably never seen a church say, stop giving. We have enough. Come on, when have you ever heard a church say that? We started off January with a $10,000 goal for building fund. But guess what? As we were raising the money, we said we don't necessarily need to spend it on this. We can save it on this. The brothers who built the shed saved us money on that. And we look back as we just finished out May and we go $6,600 and some odd dollars I pretty much did it. We don't need to raise the rest because we've got the best. Amen? So I just want to tell you guys that that is an honor for this church to pray that we can get the projector at the best deal. That projector was supposed to be around $3,000. I got it around $1,800. It was a one-year-old model. Saved a whole bunch of money. Last minute, I was ready to buy it, and I still got the warranty on it. This screen, I budgeted for around $500. This screen only cost us around $140 y'all. I mean, God just kept saving the money, saving the money. I got to tell you a little secret without the construction guys, though, because I like doubled, I doubled their construction budget because I was like, I don't think they're going to do it for no $2,500 for that shed. So I'm like, I kind of budgeted around $5,000, but they came in, meals included, only around $2,600. Let's give it up for Carlos, Armando Carlos, Brian. Jerry, all those who helped out, amazing. And then there were some things with the lights, and I was going to spend a lot more money on the lights, and then this is where wisdom came in. It's like, man, I already got like 20 of them up here. I was going to go some of these high-tech ones you would like see in stadiums because this is like a stadium screen here. But then the Lord was like, and I was like, and the Lord's like, you know, and, and I was like, what's up, Lord? And the Lord's like, you're good. And I really felt the Lord tell me we were good with the lights because I think we have lit up this mammoth jamma and did enough. So we may go on another level at another time, but it's not right now. And then the other thing was, is we were going to redo the flooring of the lobby area to match the flooring of the stage. But here's another little secret I'll let you in on. We are waiting for the approval to get that corner store to take the whole building. So then we'll just manage to do that all in the next building fund. Can I get a what, what? 
So you guys did it. I'm telling you, even those who say, I can't give a lot, Pastor, when you pray and partner with the church, God makes a way. When you pray, God makes a way. Can I hear an amen? So now watch this. This is what's exciting. Lo and behold, I was talking to Gene and Tisa, our friendly neighborhood missionaries to South Africa who used to be in Mozambique who have now started their own work there, and they're a part of the Heidi Baker ministry, Iris Ministries. Listen, they were coming in June, already knew it, no big deal. But it just happened to be in June, I just found out this week, that we cleared our building fund. And then I said, what should we do with the extra shekels? Let's make it rain in a South African orphanage. Come on. So just check this out. Last month, last month, we gave 500 to missions, and we support about that much right now. We give them a monthly support. We give our aviators in the Congo who bring Bibles in Congo support. We support New Orleans uh, Bourbon Street Ministry. We support uh, a few other things, okay? So that's where our normal budget goes. So we raise 500 there, 500 for building, right? So then I said, this month, if we can just go sacrificial and put all of our money that we would normally raise for missions towards uh, Mozambique, that's 500 and then we raise 500 for building that's 500 that's a thousand guys all we have to do is raise another 1500 that is just 15 people saying I'll drop a hundred in the bucket for Jesus and his glory or 30 people saying I'll do 50 you guys get 60 25 if we can all just give something extra this month when they come here we can give them like this huge check you know you've seen people do that we can walk it out and award it to them no I'm kidding half kid but I really would like a chance to do that somebody make a big check and we'll hand it to them. Uh, but no, I want I, when they come here, I don't even want there to be pressure. I don't want them to have to tell us, you know, what it's like in Africa. And I don't want them to have to like exploit children and be like, if you don't do this, you know, this little child gets no food. I want us to do it because we love them. We already know what God has called them to do. We want to partner with them. Amen. And whatever is land yap, extra than 2,500 is going in their pocket. I don't say this to brag or boast. I'm just telling you where the Lord already put on my heart. God told me my wife and I to give 250. I'll probably end up giving more, but I'm telling you, God's already speaking to people to give. Just give sacrificially and watch what it'll do in your life. Amen? All right, you all ready for the sermon? All right, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. This is our sub-series or mini-series in the big series. We are learning about Paul and the things that he is thankful for because it's these things that he teaches us all about the kingdom. And I want to tell you what today is going to be an amazing message. So track with me here. Ephesians 1, 3, we're going to learn about united in Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Where is it? In Christ. Now, you got to stay up with me today. I got a lot to cover, and these are all amazing informational things, but they need to be more than just informational. They need to be revelational and transformational. Revelational is not a word. I just made it up, but it really needs to expand your mind, your way of thinking right here. So I've highlighted some things in this text. For he chose us, what? In him. Wherever it's bold, how about you guys read? Would you do that with me? For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Once again, verse 7, in him we have redemption 
through his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed, what? In Christ, verse 10. We've been going verse by verse by verse. Now we're in verse 10 today. Everybody read verse 10. One, two, three. To be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth and under Christ. Now I got a break from my pattern of normally reading the whole passage and then preaching. I've got to stop right now and preach before I preach because here's the deal. We've been going through these passages verse by verse and when we got around seven, if you notice, it is a long uh, thought that Paul is drawing out, okay? And he concludes it into verse 10, and then starting in verse 11, he builds off of that thought. And so today's thought is united in Christ. How are we united in Christ? Because he died for us. He poured out his blood. That which separated us, our sins from God, that which had God leave earth and have us leave the garden, made, and when I mean leave earth, I mean leave his visible presence, because we used to walk and talk with him in the garden. What separated us was sin. What now brings us together is the cross. You can think of the cross putting one hand in glory, the other into the gutter, bringing the two together. You've seen some of those pictures. There's a great gulf between us and God. It's not like that picture where we're almost touching. There is a great gulf between us, but Jesus bridges that gulf. Now, this is where most of us stop, and we just go, good, I'm not going to hell. I'm going to heaven. This is a great story, Pastor. I'm so happy about this. But that is literally the beginning of the story. That's the beginning. You guys have got to understand what Paul is talking about here. Paul is not saying, it's just all about getting saved and not going to hell and now just live your life on your own. This whole passage starts off with the idea that he's praising God for his grace and all of these things. And then in verse 7, he says, we have the redemption. We have the forgiveness. He's poured it out on us and with wisdom and understanding that we can know the mystery of his will. What was the will of God? To be united to man so that you and him would be together. We're going to learn about that, but one of the greatest examples of unification is man and woman in marriage. And God said he gave it to us in the garden. Marriage was given to us in the garden. And what married people do in the garden, are you listening? I don't want to be gross, but listen, was given to us to express express unification between us and God. Sex, listen to me, sex, and I know we're all adults here, most of us and then young adults, sex is not meant to be perverted off the original version. Perversion is changing what God gave us for. God gave you sex to understand the union he has with humanity. Now, that doesn't mean you and Jesus are making love together. That is, Sex is an earthly example of an interminglement of two people's lives becoming one. Are you listening? And that's what he's talking about. There's a mystery being revealed now in humanity that Jesus is unifying with humanity. And he's doing it in a way like we would see in marriage. And then another example he gives us is his body. He is the head. We are the body of Christ. Listen, body and bride of Christ. What does that tell you? Intimacy. 
intimacy, union, intermingling, uh, divine penetration. Keep your minds pure as I say some of these words that the, the Greek fathers used to talk about. Divine penetration, interminglement, uh, having a participation inside of the divine nature. But it doesn't stop with us just penetrating into the, the divine nature of divinity. Divinity penetrates into humanity. Where did God penetrate and cross over into humanity? When did he do that? In Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God, became man so that men can become sons of God. You have to understand, this is the mystery, and it's being fulfilled. Now watch, verse 10, verse 10. This is going to come into effect one day when everything, not only this church, not only our families, but everything from Donald Trump to Hillary Clinton to China to ISIS to everything comes into unity under Jesus Christ, under Christ, under Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth, where is it going to be? Under Christ. And so it's all about being unified with him now, preparing for the unification to come. Can I take a breath and get an amen? Come on. Get this. Get this in your heart. You were made for glory. You were made for unification with the divine. Humanity is meant to participate in divinity through the Trinity. There is now a man that has become sharer of the divine nature, Jesus. But it doesn't stop with Jesus. Jesus becomes the firstborn among many so that now brothers and sisters can be stamped out in his image. It is the restoration of the garden. You were created in the image of God. Sin defiled the image of God. Jesus came to restore the image of God starting with himself, showing us the ideal man, the ideal Adam, not man as in gender man, Adam as in humanity, mankind. Are you listening? And now he is saying to you through Paul, we got to get ready for that day. And so how do we prepare ourselves for the unification with God? Outwardly, it's going to be obvious to everybody. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That kingdom is coming. Choo-choo. Whether Oprah Winfrey wants it or not. Choo-choo. It's coming. Whether ISIS wants it or not. Choo-choo. He is coming. Whether China wants it or not. Choo-choo. Are you, that train, the gospel train, is coming with the kingdom. Whether anybody wants it or not. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord. Can I get an Amen i got to preach before I preach, okay? Now, here's the rest of the passage. In him, say it with me. In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who was a deposit guaranteeing. Look at this. The Holy Spirit in us right now, unifying us with Christ inwardly, is a deposit of our inheritance unto the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. 
as surely as you are saved right now and you have an inward testimony, you have an inward experience that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, God is within you, you are marked with the signet ring of heaven, as surely as you know that you have been made a new creation, saved by grace through faith, that Christ now walks and talks with you, that the Holy Spirit is your comforter, that he is your empowerer, as surely as you know you are in Christ now, you will receive a resurrected body and be with Christ upon this earth, possessing the kingdom of God. As surely as right now you have an inward testimony of the grace of God, the glorious grace of God will be revealed to this earth. Everybody says, get rid of evil, get rid of evil. Okay, let's start with you. Let's get rid of you. See, the problem is evil is in people. God has to deal with people, and he deals with saving them. If they don't want to be saved and make themselves unsavable, they get just what they want, damnation, a place without him. But for those of us who now have Christ inwardly, look at all the times as it says it, in Christ, in him, in the one he loves, in Jesus. All of these things are telling us that Christians now have a foretaste of heaven. We now have a union with God. God is not somewhere out there. God is in here in my heart. He is not just the God of the ancestors of the Bible. He is not just the God of my grandparents. He is the God of me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Can I hear an amen? These are the 14 things that Paul is thankful for. We've been going through them one at a time. The first seven we've already done. We're in number eight today, talking about being unified with Christ. What do you think we'll talk about next week? Amen. You want to know God's plan? All right, get on God's plan and come next week, and those will be the next ones that we go through as well. Here are the definitions that I want you to see when we're talking about being unified with Christ, both inwardly and outwardly in the kingdom to come. We're talking about being brought together as one. Listen to what Jesus said in the gospel. He said, me and my father are what? One. Then he said later on, this is John, then in John 17, he said, Father, let them be one, even as we are one. How many ones are there? Just one. How many persons are in the Trinity? Three persons sharing divinity. How many share humanity? Billions. But when the billions of humanity come into Christ, they represent one humanity, the new humanity that the kingdom is bringing forth. You are seeing in yourself the promise coming true. 1995, November 4th, this is my testimony. High school dropout on drugs, drugs in my pocket, doing crazy stuff with my friends. November 5th, 1995, Holy Ghost filled, changed life. Never doing drugs again. Now 20 plus years later. What transpired between the fourth and the fifth? I came into Christ. I came into another dimension. I came into another kingdom. I came into another creation. I came into another humanity. You look at the Joe of November 5th and the, uh, the Joe of November 4th, there's no difference physically. If there was acne the 4th, there's acne the 5th. If there was a hair out of place, it was still out of place. If the fashion sense was bad the day before, it was still bad on the 5th. If my breath stank the morning of the 4th, it stunk the morning of the 5th. Are you listening? But what transpired is what makes me me. And what makes you new is when you are born again. When you look at yourself in the mirror, do you see yourself? Where are you? 
Are you hiding in your eyes? Are you just right behind the eye? Are you somewhere in your brain that they can scan you and find you? Can they see you in an MRI? When they're doing operation on Kathy, will they find a little her just living in there somewhere? You are of spiritual substance, possessing a body. And you are what controls this body. But this body is wearing down because of sin. And you're tempted often, discouraged often. Your body is sick often. The devil anticipates this, and he takes advantage of this. And so when you're sick, even though he doesn't cause it in that sense, but he comes to cause drama in the midst of your sickness. Look at God. There's no God here. He's not looking out for you. Your body wouldn't be going through this. But you see, he's a liar. He's the one that caused us to get into a curse so that sickness and mental uh, pain and anguish would come. And now that we go through it, even though we're redeemed, he said God hasn't kept his word. But Paul is telling us that Jesus has kept his word and that just as we are unified in our soul and our spirit right now, we will be unified with all of creation through Christ. You and I will be unified even with our pets, even with the animals, all you pet lovers out there. You'll be unified with the lion and the lamb as they live together. The trees may even be audible. I know we think that's crazy, but you look at uh, the Ents and the Lord of the Rings based upon Christian theology as well as C.S. Lewis, but there's something magnificent in creation. God may cause trees literally to clap their hands or it may just appear as they're clapping their hands, but either way, our God will unify all of creation with himself. Imagine being able to eat all that is there but never getting fat. Imagine being able to never have to experience a depressing thought again because your mind is always the mind of Christ. Imagine being able to see all of your loved ones and none of your non-loved ones (laughs) because the ones who don't love Christ aren't there. No enemy is there, in other words. But let's get our non-loved ones to heaven, amen? He's bringing all things into unity. What do you think the word all means? In the Greek, what do you think it means? In the Hebrew, all Now, I want you to think about this. I was tasked this week with this verse as your pastor to try to explain it from the Bible. And not only do I have to explain it from the Bible, I have to do it in such a time that you can understand. So this is what I said to myself. Look at the screen. I said, I'll just start with the references in the book of Ephesians that have to do with unification in God's plan. And then I'll go to the rest of the parts of the Bible because I know they'll want to see what the rest of the Bible has to say about the unification of God's plan. But this was me just going through the book of Ephesians. And I got around 13, 14. I started to say to myself, I may not even be able to get through the book of Ephesians to explain unification, let alone to go to all the other ones. So I got some notes for you here online. The theme of Paul is in him. It's a theme that comes straight out of Jesus' words. Jesus said, let them be one as I am one. When we look at the book of Ephesians, and I'll just read the bold for you. So let me read the scriptures and then explain them. But I tried to simplify them as much as I could. We just read that there's unity to all things in Ephesians 1.9. Ephesians 1.22 and 23, all things. He's going to fill up everything to the fullness In Ephesians 2, 6, and 7, he raised us up with Christ to be with him in heavenly realms. Where are you right now in heavenly realms? He recreates you as his handiwork in Christ. You are God's masterpiece, Ephesians 2, 10. In Ephesians 2, 11 and onward, the Gentiles and the lost are looked at as separate from Christ, literally without God in the world because they are not in him. But because of Christ, they're brought near. Once all of us were far away, but now we're brought near because of the blood of Christ. And what is the goal? 
goal of that, to create in himself, what? A new humanity. If you're not in Christ, you're a part of the old humanity, and you will perish. How many want to be in the new humanity? Amen. Don't get scared. This is not a cult, but I'm telling you, there's a new race coming, and it's called the God kind of race. Are you ready? It's called the godly, and we're not moving on a commune, so don't get scared. But I know sometimes these cults, they try to convince people, you know, we're God's children, and they all move off somewhere and live half naked. That's not what I'm saying. There's a new humanity that is interpenetrating right now the humanity of this world, literally shining. Listen to what Jesus says, shining as lights and darkness, being so Called unto the earth. How many remember Jesus saying something like that? Because of that, now both Jew and Gentile have the same access to the Father by the Spirit. Verse 18 is a Trinitarian verse. Listen to it if you didn't catch it. For through him, talking about Jesus the Son, we both, Jew and Gentile, have access to the Father through the Spirit. God is the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Do you see it there? We are members of his household. In him we're being built up together as a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. Have you ever understood the mystery of why now you are the temple of the Lord? It's because temples represents the divinity, uh, the deity. And for the Christian, we, we of course only believe in one God, but we look to the Old Testament and all these idols and all of these things. And the problem was they were lifeless and dead, but God didn't need an idol. All he needed was a temple to show up and meet with man. This was representing our unholy. Holiness. We needed mediation through priests and through rituals. But when Jesus died, what happened between that veil that separated the holy place to the most holy, holy place in the temple? What happened to that veil? It rent in two, meaning that now the temple is no longer the Mosaic temple. It is now the temple of human flesh. And then that is individually, but also corporately, as we build up ourselves as a unified body, as he builds us up the church, we are that dwelling place. Each individual member in the church itself, the body of Christ, together in him. Ephesians 3.10 and onward, he has done this in the church so that his manifold, multidimensional wisdom could be displayed to the heavenly realms. You are a terror to the devil every time you know who you are in Christ. Paul, this is still chapter 3. I don't even know if I can read the highlights right now. Uh, Paul said that out of those riches and power, you are strengthened to do all that you need. And that power is mediated through love. The more you know and understand God's love, the more you'll be used in his power and his strength. Just think about it. When you are the most discouraged, you're doubting most the love of God. Think about that. In those times of your life, when you're the most scared, you're most afraid, why do you feel a strength draining from you, evaporating from you? It's because God's strength is found in love and trust. When you stop loving and trusting, the strength evaporates. When you love and trust, it exuberates or it gets stronger. Can I hear an amen? And it's, we are filled. How are we filled? That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. How much does God want you to be filled with? Now, come on, my little suffering saints. I know it was so hard this week, and it was tough, and I just don't understand, do I? Because I'm a pastor, and I stand up here, and I make it look so easy. Gosh darn it. Just walk in my shoes, pastor. Just go one day through my life. What does the Bible say? Filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Get you some of that. I don't care what you're facing today. Be filled to the full measure of God. Woo! <laughs> you can believe it if you want, but I'm believing that mamma jamma. 
Amen. Funeral days, I'm believing it. Paydays, I'm believing it. Good days, bad days, every day in between. Days you like me on Facebook, days you don't like me on Facebook. I'm believing that. Amen. Days my children puke on themselves in the car on the way to church. Those days I'm filled to the fullness of God. And the other days where we go fishing together. Every day is a good day with Jesus. Amen. Give that a try. The unity of the Spirit, one God and Father who is over all, through all, and in all. God is in all via his creative power, but only in all relationally through those that have Jesus Christ. Know the difference. We are not pan we are not pantheists, believing that this chair is God and all of that. But because of God, he sustains uh, this, this pulpit. He sustains what we would call physics and subatomic uh, energy. Look at Philippi, uh, Ephesians 4, that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity of the faith. We should be unified in our faith. We should all believe this. Can I hear an amen? And what should we become? Should we become messed up and jacked up? What does the Bible say we should become? Mature, perfect, attaining to how much of the measure? The whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Everybody that argues with that has taken themselves out of that promise. Everybody who believes that comes into that promise. So get your big old butt out the way. Amen? Stop putting your butt in the way. God says, I want you to grow up and become mature. And then what do you say? But God, nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect, God. But he said, I want you to be perfect, but God, it's so hard to live for you. Just get your butt out the way, amen? Say, yes, Lord. Say, can I hear a yes, Lord? Yes, Lord, I believe. Si, Senor. Ephesians chapter 4, 15 and onward. We will grow to become in every respect, every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Every respect. That's talking about your attitude, amen? That's talking about my temperance. That's talking about how we spend our money. That's talking about how you go to work. That's talking about how you drive in traffic. You must be who God said you are to be. Start with what he has done. He has done the work in you already. Now live like it's done. Imagine if I put you in the space station, the, the most expensive thing that man has ever built floating above us right now, worth billions of dollars, maybe a trillion dollars. I put you in there. Let's say it could be completed and perfect. Let's say God made that space station. Yes, it's completed and perfect, but you wouldn't know how to use it. That takes maturity. That takes time. It's the same thing with your new nature. You don't get a new, new, new nature every day. You wake up in the morning. God is not whittling a masterpiece in you like he's a, some carver. He's already completed it, created it, passed tense. You are the masterpiece of God. What you are now doing is learning by his word to live it out and to operate in it. Can I hear an amen? In every respect. Verses 4, uh, chapter 4, 22 and onward, that you are to be made new. Does, does anything remain old and new? No. To be made new in the attitude of what? Your minds and to put on the new self, being created every single day. Is that what it says? Created, past tense, to be like who? Your neighbor? Your neighbor? Steve Harvey? The ladies from The View that are so smart and wise? Who are you made to be like? To be like God. You are made to be like God. Stop living like the devil. That wasn't what you were made for. The devil can't create nothing. Literally, to do what Jesus did, create something out of nothing. What can the devil do? The devil can produce what rocks think about. 
Have you ever thought about what rocks think about? That's a good definition of nothing, Plato said, what rocks think about. That's what the devil can do. Do you understand? Now, out of nothing, what rocks think about, God created everything. And you're a part of that everything. And when you get born again, you are in a restored relationship with Jesus Christ. There is a new self on the inside of you. You are no more your brain than you are your stomach. Subject your brain to the mind of Christ. Subject your anxiety, depression. Subject everything this body brings to you to the things of God and count it as dead and crucified. Amen. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Thank you, Father, for raising me up with Christ. I can never take credit for this life. And in the coming ages, all that remains is, is your glorious grace. Ephesians 5, 8 and onwards, you were once darkness. Is there any light in darkness? That is what you once were. And that's the problem why some of you argue with being light. is because you didn't think you were that bad in darkness. And now you don't think you're that good in light because you keep making it about you. Somebody put that on Facebook. Come on. You didn't think you were that dark and you don't think you're that light because you don't understand how it works. Without Christ, total darkness. With Christ, total light. No in between. Are you listening? For once you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. What are you in the Lord? Come on, tell yourself, I am light in the Lord. Amen. And the Bible says that this world cannot extinguish the light. John chapter 1 verse 5. We are united to Jesus like a husband is united to his wife. You get this deep in your soul today, whether married or single, young or old. The entire reason of marriage is to be a picture of the unification of God with humanity. It is not like these writers are just looking back to the Bible trying to pick examples that make sense to us of the unification of God. Literally, the unification of God was first, and then God says, I'll give you sex as an example. I'll give you marriage as an example. I'll give you all of these things that will teach teach you, Adam, that I am closer than the air you breathe and more into you than you are into your wife. Come on, somebody. This is a profound mystery. I double dog dare somebody as you go to spring and summer weddings to say a big amen as the priest. Father Tom says this and have everybody look at you crazy because you understand what this means. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. The two will become one. And Ephesians 6.10, where does your strength come from? Does it come from your gym membership, though we need to be healthy? No. Does it come from your mental abilities? Does it come from your self-will? Does it come from your human potential? No, be strong in the Lord, the one who caused light to come into darkness, the one who created something out of nothing, the one who created water and then walked on it says, be strong in me and my mighty power. How many want that today? Now look at your neighbor and say, that was just the introduction. Here comes the message. You know how it works. I have to go through this quickly. I thought I could do that faster, but I'm just so excited. Here are your applications quickly because then i got to make this applicable even more so with some pictures. Now get these applications in Christ right now. You are closer to God than you will ever be. You don't get closer to God than you are right now. What is the difference is your flesh blinds you from seeing how close you are to God. 
What is heaven? Not here. What makes heaven heaven? God is there. Do you understand? You will simply be there without a body. That's why you can be there. But then you will notice that it's not the location that makes you close to God. It's the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit was already here. You just didn't see it as you do in heaven because you don't have the ability with this kind of a body. What is the kingdom of God on earth? God coming from there to here. It's not hard, people, but you don't get any closer to God when you go up there or he comes down here. It's just the body is changing. You are united with Christ, seated in heavenly realms. Either that's true, my friends, or it's false. Does Jesus dwell in multiple heavenly realms? You are in the heavenly realms by your spirit. And we've talked about how your spirit can be in heavenly realms and also in your body. In Christ you are a partaker of the divine nature. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 and onward says that you are a partaker. You participate literally in the divine nature. How many believe that? How many have heard that scripture here before at least once or twice? How many know I'm going to put it up again? I'm going to do it again because I love it. Through these he has given us very great and precious promises that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. You escape it now inwardly. You're free. You are free now. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. You don't have to be a slave to sin anymore. You don't have to be under the subjection of temptation anymore. Like that wedding you know, dance that the two people do, the one guy throws out the line, and then he catches it. When he comes in, you know, as he reels him in, you, you, don't, you can throw that right back to the devil. You can be like, I ain't doing that. I ain't being your little fishy. Come on, somebody. I'm not in your corruption anymore. In Christ, the church is now the fullness of God displayed in the universe now internally and soon to be externally in God's kingdom. In Christ, the church is the body and bride of Christ expressing the nature and love of God. That's why the world always points out our hypocrisy when we fail to do it. But let's show them the glory of God by living up to it. Amen? And then we are light intermingled with the light of Christ. Can I blow your mind with some pictures now? This is a design that some new age person would get high off of, you know, but this is what we can help us with right now. When we think of the divine and the human coming together, we think of Christ coming in union with flesh, 100% man and 100% God. This is called the hypostatic union. This happened in the kenosis, the self-humbling of the Son of God. The Son of God existing eternally as the Word of God in heaven, seated next to the Father, stepped out of His glorious position to take on flesh and become like us. He intermingled Himself to man, and there He became the stamp for all of humanity. We now share in divinity because divinity shares in humanity in Christ Jesus. I want you to understand that. The divine is inside of you right now. The divine is dwelling within your spirit. You do not ontologically change. You are still human in nature. But God made you to share in divine nature. Where these two lights meet in this drawing, you see the interpenetration, the mutual bonding, the place where they meet and share intimacy together. This is an example of who we are with Christ right now.
You are that close to Jesus. You are closer than this to Jesus right now. You are closer to Jesus than your consciousness is to the molecular structure of your brain. You are in relationship with the God of the universe. And he is going to align every single thing this way. He is going to align everything in particle physics this way to his divine nature. He is going to align everything in government to his divine nature. He is going to align everything that you have ever found wrong and evil in this world to his divine nature. And he starts with us now. You say, I need another example. Well, here you get one. Why can we be intermingled and intertwined with the divine? Because we are of his substance. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He didn't say, I am an awesome unicorn and you're a dirty old cow. Are you listening to me? He didn't say, I am something great and powerful in this extent and you are just dirt and mud and clay. No, because he understood by being the one who created us, the image we were made in. We were made in his image of his substance. When he breathed into man, man became a living soul. Nepesh in the Hebrew, he became a living conscious being, being self-aware, capable of choice, and love, being loved and loving. However, we made the wrong choice. We became cut off and separated from our creator. And we have tried to join the traitor who is of a lesser substance than us, a demonic fallen angel, an evil, wicked creature. We have followed him down his path of evil and destruction. And what have we found at every place we touch his forbidden fruit? That it is cancer to the image of God within us. It is pain and toil not only to our hands on the earth, which is a representation of the weeds in our heart. That Jesus has come to save us from, to take away the weeds, to take away those things that torment us the most, the things that have caused you the most pain, to tempt you to shake your fist at God are the very things that Jesus took on the cross for you. Never question the love of God in your times of pain. Yes, we all have times of pain, and yes, we have questions many, but God is with us. We are of the substance of a branch. He is of the substance of the vine. And he says, we are together. And he says, through me, I will bear much fruit in you for my Father's glory. And the divine counsel of God, they said, let us, plural, make man in our image in our likeness. And so we see the Father with the plan, the Son enacting it, and the Holy Spirit producing it. And in the fall, we are separated from it, but now in Jesus it is brought back through the plan, sending the Son, the Son enacting it, and the Holy Spirit producing it. For the flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Jesus said, these things I say to you are Spirit. He gave us the greatest example we could ever want to know. As we look at the atmosphere we breathe, and even now with all of our Doppler radars, we still don't know where the wind comes from or where it goes. We want to always get mad at the weather, man, but he's trying to understand when. Come on, give him a break, y'all. 
And here is the thing God says, that is like the Holy Spirit, only he knows where it goes. But we can let it blow on us today as we feel the fans, as we feel the breeze. We can let the Holy Spirit unite us to Jesus through our faith and repentance. We can no longer be the traitors of heaven cut off, meant to be then burned in a fire. But we can become a luscious grape, a fruitful branch bearing that fruit. Can I hear an amen? When we look at this, we can summarize it simply as this. In union with God, man becomes God-like, intermingled, and one with the Holy Spirit. Humanity was created to be in union with divinity through the Trinity. If you believe it, can you stand up and give Jesus a hand clap of praise? Come on. Band and worship team with the altar workers, would you come please? In an attitude of prayer, would you surrender your will to his? So that this divine unification can happen in your life if it hasn't already. Start by confessing Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. And all those sins that you've done that stain your conscience, be free right now in the name of Jesus. All those who know that they're saved, would you confess anything in your heart today you might have against the Lord? Doubt, fears, or sin. And let us all release our lives to him. Not my will, but your will be done, O oh God, in me today, I pray. O oh God, let your will be done in me, O oh God. From the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, Lord, encompass all of me today, O oh God. Heaven has touched my heart, and I'm never the, I've never been the same again. How many of you have heaven in your heart today? Come on, somebody. Would you worship him as you start to move from prayers of acceptance and repentance? Would you start to move to adoration right now? Would you give him glory in your own words right now? We're so thankful. Those who still need to pray repentance and acceptance, do it. Repent for the things you've done wrong. Accept him in the areas you've put him out. Oh, but those right now who...